Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And if you don't have a Bible with you, look under the chair in front of you. There should be a Bible there. We're going to stand up in a second and read this chapter together. So get Acts chapter 28 and Exodus chapter 4. Acts 28 and Exodus chapter 4. So let's do a little bit of review. We're calling these our launch sermons before our big grand opening. Um, A week, let's see, on the 14th, we're going to be looking at at the cross and what Jesus Christ accomplished. And then on Easter Sunday, of course, Dave McCracken will be preaching for us. Now, how many of you know that people will come to church on those Sundays that don't normally come to church? So be sure you're inviting people for those times. But, But this period of time is really helping Grace Baptist Church, helping us to all get on the same page as we get ready to move ahead. And so just to review where we've been, we said that we're going to preach Christ from this platform. We're not going to move into politics. We're not going to move into something else. We're going to preach Christ and him crucified, risen again, and that he's the only hope for eternal life. We're going to preach Christ. And then we're going to become a welcoming church And that becoming a welcoming church, it means every area of our facility will look like we've prepared for people to come. We'll be ready for them by the way that we welcome them, the way that we greet them, the way that we interact with people, how that we pay attention to our guests. And then we have to heed the call of God in our lives. And that is that God has something for each and every one of us to do in his work. And he knew who you were when he saved you. He's not surprised by any of it. He loves you, and he wants you to be in his service. Then we will ground our preaching in biblical theology. We're not going to get our information from outside sources. We're going to get our information from the Word of God. And then we're going to use how God has worked through 2,000 years of church history to establish foundational truth so that we know where to stand and what to do. That's where we're going to go. We're not moving off into a seeker-sensitive ministry. We're not moving into an emerging church-type ministry. We're going to maintain biblical theology. And then we're going to live for Christ because he saved us, but also because the only way that we can really live for Christ is by investing in other people. And we do that through one-on-one biblical discipleship. And so that's the heartbeat of everything that we're doing here. And then last week, we looked at the hope of the gospel that there is hope in the world because of who Jesus Christ is. This morning, we're going to look at the importance of hearing. Did you hear that? The importance of hearing. And I think you're going to see where I'm going with this in just a minute. So let's all stand and let's get, we're going to read through the entire chapter like we've been doing in these passages from Acts. We're going to read Acts chapter 28. And if you'll follow along while I read, that'd be great. And when they were escaped, now this is after the shipwreck, if you remember the story from last week that we looked at. And when they were escaped, they knew that the island was called Melita, and that's the island of Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, 
whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they, char- they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux. Now, that sounds nasty, doesn't it? To whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and we came next, and we came the next day to Puteoli, where we found brethren, and we desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as uh, Apiforum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. And when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners of the captain or to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, Yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had aught to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain." And when and they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah as the prophet, or Isaiah the prophet, unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see in their eyes and, with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. 
Be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Lord, help us now as we study your word. Help us to learn some things today that will help us and that will help Grace Baptist Church to be the church that you would have us to be. Lord, we love you. We love your word. Teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to talk to you about the importance of hearing today, the importance of hearing. Now, we are a visual generation, and I think that we all know that. Everything is about image and how things look. As we were designing this auditorium, uh, the, the idea of having these screens here was really important because our culture today is used to having things that they can look at. So we got fancy screens and fancy projectors, and, and it all looks great because we're a visual generation. It helps us. Now, it's an interesting thing. I was reading a study. This was an article put out by the Nielsen Corporation. So they're the ones that do the television ratings and they talk about uh, how people see things. This is from July of 2018. And this is what they said. According to the first quarter 2018 Nielsen Total Audience Report, look at this. This is really important. Nearly half an adult's day is dedicated to consuming this content. In fact, American adults spend over 11 hours per day listening to, watching, reading, or generally interacting with media. Young people spend over 11 hours a day looking at a screen, apart from school, apart from education. 11 hours a day looking at a screen. I wonder, I'd like to find out from uh, the, uh, an orthopedic society or something how much back trouble people are having because they spend their, all of their time like this. Now, you all recognize we're a visual generation, aren't we? People like to see things. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with seeing. Seeing can be fantastic. We, we read verses 1 through 9 of our text. How cool would it have been to see that? I would have loved to have seen these miracles. How about this, this viper latching on to Paul's hand? And what did Paul do? He just shook it off and kept going. I would have run around screaming like a little girl. I do not like snakes. I'm just telling you, me and Indiana Jones, I hate snakes. So I can't imagine what this was like. But notice what they said. Here's the problem with seeing, we almost always misinterpret what we see. Any police officer will tell you this. Eyewitness accounts, if you talk to 10 people who see something, you're going to get eight different stories. It's so interesting how God understands how we are put together. Seeing can be fantastic, and I would have loved to have seen these miracles. Have you ever wondered why we don't see miracles like this today? It's so interesting. There are churches that will have healing services and miracle services. But, man, they're not restoring limbs. They're not raising the dead. There's an account of a, of a family that their baby died. And they had the baby at home. And they'd heard that there was a Benny Hinn healing crusade. So they came walking down the aisle with this dead baby. 
And Benny Hinn saw that coming, turned around, and ran out the back. Why? Because he knows he does not have the power of life and death. Jesus Christ could raise that child like that and has. Isn't that right? So there's this, in theology, there, there is this argument. It's called, you're, you're either a cessationist or you're a non-cessationist. So cessationists, they believe that, um, that miracles ceased with the apostles. The miracles ended with the apostles. Non-cessationists would be like the modern charismatics that believe that all of those sign gifts, the gifts of healing, all of those things, are still extant today. Now, we've talked about the logical fallacies, and one of the logical fallacies is bifurcation. It takes a complicated subject, and it boils it down to only two options, right? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? And then you look at the choices and go, eh, right? So you take a complicated subject... And you boil it down into, into just two choices. Are you a cessationist or are you a non-cessationist? What I would say on that is God can do whatever he wants to do. Right? Regardless of the age, God can heal people. He can save people. He can do whatever he chooses to do. We have a miracle here in our, in our midst. Dr. Ree, he fell off a ladder. He, his head swelled up. It was, it was horrible. We thought he was going to die. We didn't know if he was ever going to be able to practice again. And I was standing there in the room when the neurologist looked at his EEG and he said, I don't understand. We didn't do this. So we have a miracle here today. God does perform miracles. Amen? Dr. Ree went back to practicing and just an amazing thing. God does perform miracles. I don't. Now, I know some of you look at Laura and you think the fact that I could get Laura, that's a miracle. No, her eyes just aren't very good. So that's it. I do not perform miracles. I can't do it. I wish I could. I, I'm going to drive to Alabama. I wish I could make cars go off the road. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> You're gone. That would be awesome. I can't perform miracles. The Ananias and Sapphira story where they had committed funds to the church and then they lied and kept back some of the funds and under Peter, they dropped dead. Man, if I could have done that for the building program. Now, I want to ask you to raise your hand if I'm thankful, if you're thankful that I can't do that, because then that would show you didn't give what you're supposed to. See how that works here? You see what's going on? Why don't miracles happen the way they do? Now, just let's be honest. How many of you would love to see these miracles? All of us would. We would love to see them. Why don't I see miracles like this today? Well, there are only four periods in Scripture where God enabled men to perform miracles. Remember what I just said. God performs miracles all the time. Are you with me? God performs miracles all the time. Men have performed miracles at only four periods in Scripture. You know, a lot of people believe there's miracle, there are miracles all through the Scriptures. That's not the case. This is interesting. I think that you'll enjoy this and, and learn a couple of things right here. The first period of miracles, let's go to Exodus chapter 4, is when God, and we're going to come back to the book of Acts, so be sure and put your marker there. But the first period of miracles is when God spoke to his people through Moses. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, the flood was before this. There are other things that happened. No, God did all of that. See, when Moses comes along, this is the first time when miracles are happening through a man. Look at chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, 
They will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he, and he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. See, just like me. I think he was screaming like a little girl when he did that, too. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And he goes on and, and does a few more things. But what you have here is this is the first time that God is giving a man the ability to perform miracles. This is the first time. And what's happening? God wants him to go and deliver his people out of the nation of Egypt, not only deliver his people, but to give them a message from God. He's going to give them the law. He's going to give them their marching orders from God. And you're going to find this consistently through this study this morning. Now, read along with me on this. From the first day of its beginning, the nation of Israel had the word of God spoken by the messenger of God. All right, that's Moses. Confirmed to them by the ability of the messenger to perform miracles. So what was this doing? This, his ability to perform these miracles was in answer to the question that Moses asks in chapter 4 and verse 1. They won't believe me. How will they know that I'm from you? Well, I'm going to give you supernatural power, evidence that I, the one true God, have sent you. Now, what does God call these miracles? This is an interesting thing. Look at verse 8. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first. What's that word? That they will believe the voice of the latter. What? So he calls these signs. In the New Testament, we call these sign gifts. So the first time that you see these miracles take place, it's when God is leading his people out of Egypt and giving them the law. Now, it's pretty interesting. Moses and Joshua performed miracles. So you know that Joshua also caused the, the uh, River Jordan to part, and they crossed over on dry land. They performed miracles. So Moses... And then the next generation. Then for 500 years, there are no miracles. Isn't it interesting? We get this idea that almost in every book of the Bible, these guys are performing miracles. That's not the case. Now, the miracles they performed are so spectacular that we remember them. But no one did that other than these few people, Moses and then Joshua. For 500 years, there are no miracles. So notice... The signs last for only one generation after Moses, and then no more signs for 500 years. 500 years. You know, that's longer than the United States has been in existence. 500 years. That takes us all the way back to the Reformation. Now, number two. So the first is Moses and Israel leading the children out, giving them the law. So when God began to speak to his people through the prophets, this is the second time. So 500 years later, along comes Elijah. Halfway through the Old Testament, God changes the way he deals with Israel. It's no longer going to be through the law. He will now deal with them through the prophets. Now, go back with me to Acts chapter 28. So God deals with the people through the law, 
And then he begins speaking to them through prophets. And God wanted to make sure that the people knew, that Israel knew that these prophets were sent by him, that they were speaking the very voice and the very words of God. And I want you to see this division that you have in the text. Uh, Look at verse 23, chapter 28, verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him in his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of who? And out of the prophets. So you see this division, the law and the prophets. Jesus Christ used this same Division. He confirmed this division of old, the Old Testament. Matthew eleven thirteen. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Matthew twenty two forty. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So when God gave the law, He confirmed that law giving by giving Moses the capacity to perform miracles, and those miracles, that capacity, continued to the next generation and then stopped for five hundred years. So what God did is God worked through Elijah to confirm the signs. So Elijah comes doing something that had not been done since the time of Moses and Joshua, signs, wonders, and miracles. And what's interesting is you have Elijah. He's being confirmed as a prophet of God. And then there's one more generation. That's Elisha. Now, remember, Elisha prayed to God that he would give him a double portion of power that he had given, that God had given to Elijah. And Elisha performs exactly double the miracles that Elijah did. Isn't that an interesting thing? And so Elisha comes and does double the miracles, and then they stop. That's it. Think about this. Again, one generation after these signs had confirmed the word of the Lord, they stopped. There are no more miracles performed for 800 years. 500-year gap. 800-year gap. So this is God's plan. When God is making a change in the way that he deals with people, when God's making a change and wants them to hear his word, he confirms it with signs, wonders, and miracles. And then it lasts for a generation, and then it ends. How many of you see that's exactly what happened with Moses and Joshua and then Elijah and Elisha? When's the next time that miracles start happening? It's a pretty cool one. Jesus Christ is born. How many of you think being born of a virgin is a miracle? Did any man perform that miracle? No. God the Father did that. You see, God can still perform miracles anytime he chooses to. But Jesus Christ comes along, and through him, one could enter the spiritual kingdom of God. Now, I want you to notice this. Look at verse 31, Acts chapter 28 and verse 31. So what's Paul doing? He's preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, we're not going to take a whole lot of time to go into it, but you have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. In Matthew, you have Jesus Christ, the king of the Jews, presenting an offer of a physical kingdom to Israel. And, you know, how many of you believe Jesus Christ is coming back to to build that kingdom? Amen. He is. He's coming back. But he offered the kingdom to Israel and they rejected it. So now Paul is teaching the spiritual kingdom of God. Remember what the Bible says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, physical things, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus Christ said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You can't see it. They say, lo here, lo there, where is it? 
He says, it cometh not with observation. He said this, the kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus Christ came and he gave this offer of a spiritual kingdom of God where we are baptized into that kingdom by the Holy Spirit when we get saved, not baptized by water, baptized by the Holy Spirit, into Christ's body, we get saved. But not only that, the kingdom of God comes to live in us. Does anybody here that's saved today, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Then you have that Holy Spirit of God living in you. That kingdom of God is in you. Isn't that awesome? See, so Jesus Christ is born, and through him one could enter the spiritual kingdom of God. This is a new message. It had never been preached before. The method of entry would not be laws and sacrifices, but belief in what was preached regarding the person of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's awesome. If... See, the message of that kingdom of heaven that John was preaching, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. Your Messiah is here. Believe in him. Receive him. Accept him as the Messiah. That was John the Baptist's message. That was the message that the disciples were going around the world preaching. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus was offering that physical kingdom. But we know what it says in John 1. He came into his own and his own what? Received him not. They rejected him. Since the Lord had come as God's Christ, remember Christ is Messiah, he had signs, wonders, and miracles. And the people wanted to see it. They wanted to see these signs. Jesus presented his message, was rejected, and crucified. He was buried, and he gave a sign to the Jews. What was that sign? Okay, that is so lame. I know it's spring break and stuff, and some of you, you know, your minds aren't here. What was the sign that God gave to the Jews after he was crucified? The resurrection. Remember, they said, show us a sign. And Jesus said, tear down this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And that was the sign that he gave them. He rose from the dead the third day. Praise God. You guys aren't nearly excited about that enough. A dead man got up and walked. I think that's a pretty good miracle. All right, so he confirmed his message with signs, wonders, and miracles. And so the preaching of the cross, the declaration that one can be born into the kingdom of God, became the New Testament. Remember Jesus Christ at the Last Supper, he lifted up that cup and he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. The New Testament didn't begin when Jesus was born. The New Testament began when Jesus died. He rose from the dead. That death, it paid for all of our sin. Our sin is no longer covered by a sacrifice. It's washed away by a sacrifice. It's gone. My sin has been cast as as far as the east is from the west. If you believe that, if you will receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, confessing your sin to him, not to me, confess your sin to him, ask him to save you. He will wash your sin away. Oh, Past sin, future sin, anything you'll ever do, and heaven will be your home. That's the hope of the gospel. What a wonderful thing that is. So here's what happens. The message became, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You're not making any sacrifices. You don't have to give money. You don't have to attend anything. Isn't that awesome? You said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. That's the message that we preach today. But notice what happens. Jesus gave the great commission and then he ascended to heaven. After he ascended to heaven, we have in in Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1, he gives them a, a commission right before that. And ye shall be witnesses 
unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But notice, after Moses and the law, signs continue one generation before ceasing. Now, that's what happened in the Bible, right? Then, following this giving of the law to Israel, the signs continue for one generation and then they ceased. A careful reading of Acts and the Pauline epistles shows that by the close of the apostolic generation, the signs were already on the way out. So now you have Jesus Christ and the apostles. Jesus Christ performs miracles. He gives his apostles power to perform miracles. Keep your place in Acts chapter 28. Go to Mark chapter 16. The importance of hearing. Verse 14. Mark 16, verse 14. Afterward, they appeared, or he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So remember, the, the people didn't know that Jesus was going to die on the cross, but he revealed that to them after his death. <clears throat> verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So you believe and then you're baptized. But it's the believing that saves you, not the baptism. You see that in the sentence? All right, it's very clear. Now notice what it says, verse 17. And these, what's that next word? Shall follow them that believe. Now, who is it that believe? See, people take this passage out of context and they act like it's for all believers. No, he's talking to his disciples Look, verse 14, afterward he appeared to who? The 11. So that's 12 minus 1. Who's missing? Judas, right? Judas had, had had a bad day before that. So these signs shall follow them that believe. These are the signs of the apostle. These signs follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Right? These are the signs of an apostle. That's exactly what's going on. And we have an example of that. The apostle Paul did all of these things. I don't remember if he drank anything. I don't think we have an instance of that. But he got bit by the snake, all of these other things, healing, all of that. He had the signs of an apostle. Okay, So here's what happened. It's very interesting. A careful reading of Acts and the Pauline epistles shows that by the close of the apostolic generation, the signs were already on their way out. Let's give you an example of that. Paul, Timothy, and Trophimus, they were all sick and couldn't get healed. Timothy was sick. Paul was sick. Trophimus, he had to leave him in Miletus because he was sick. Why didn't he just heal him? Because this, this gift of healing was going away and it was confined to that apostolic period. Now, when's the next time that we have miracles in the Bible? Notice, in the book of Ephesians, these gifts are not mentioned. In the book of Colossians, these, in the church epistles, these things are not mentioned. There were abuses of gifts to the church at Corinth addressed. Other than that, we don't have these miracles being addressed in the church epistles. When is the next time this happens? Well, these two witnesses... In Revelation chapter 11. And who are these two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11? Moses and Elijah. It's almost like God has a plan. 
right? Why do we think it's Moses and Elijah? Because they do the exact same miracles that Moses and Elijah did. And what is the point of these two witnesses? The point of these two witnesses is to confirm the message to Israel. 144,000 Jewish witnesses going around preaching Jesus Christ and confirming it with miracles. These two witnesses have the power to perform these miracles. So I want you to notice a couple of things. Look at John chapter 20. Y'all still with me? John chapter 20. The importance of hearing. John chapter 20, look at verse 28. So Thomas, and what, what is the uh, nickname that he's normally given? All right, so look at verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now, I've never seen Jesus Man, I'm going to one of these days. But I believe. I believe. I would love to see. But I can believe without seeing. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, look at verse 24. This will tie in with last week and the week before. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. What are we waiting for? In this passage, it's the redemption of the body. How many of you can't wait until your pain is gone? Right? You know what I'm finding? That my body is not as strong as it used to be. I know, I look amazing. Andy always does it. When I say something stupid like that, Andy always just goes. My body's not as strong as it used to be. Man, I got back trouble. My leg doesn't work. I'm on blood pressure medicine. Uh, Just my body doesn't work like it used to. You know what the good news is? I'm going to get a new one. That's our hope. My hope is that my body is going to be just like Jesus Christ's body. The Bible says that we're going to be changed. He's going to change this vile body into a body that's like his perfect body. That's what we're hoping for. We don't see that yet, but we believe it's going to happen. The importance of hearing. I want you to notice something. Go back to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. I want you to notice something. And put a marker here at Matthew 12 because we're going to come back to this in just a second. But look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, This is interesting. An evil... And adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now, I want you to think about something. Sometimes we, we're too separate from the Scriptures. Imagine if you come to me and you say, Pastor, 
I think it would be good if we had puggles. And I said, a wicked and adulterous generation wants puggles. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be the most flattering answer you'd ever heard. It would it be? That's the, that's the answer that Jesus Christ gave when they asked him for a sign. Now remember, he's been doing all kinds of signs and wonders. But here in Matthew chapter 12, here's what happened. Jesus Christ had cast out a devil, and the Pharisees had said he did it by the power of Satan. They attributed the work of God to Satan. And Jesus said, that's it. I'm done. From this point on, the Bible says, he only spoke to them in parables. Those parables, the Bible says, are dark sayings. You can't understand them. You read a parable, people try and make them mean all different kinds of things. Jesus gave the parable to the crowd, and they all went, huh? And then he got with his disciples, and he gave them the meaning of the parable. To these people, he no longer gave them clear information. Notice what it says. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas, this is Jonah, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, it's very important that you understand Jesus Christ did not die on Friday. I don't care how you do the math, you can't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. Are you with me? And I know some of you are going, no way. It's true, I promise. But he was three days and three nights in the whale, just as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. Jesus Christ was three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the earth. Is that right? But who seeks for a sign? A wicked and adulterous generation. Notice what I said. I would love to see all these miracles. I would love to see it. The command for us is not to see, it's to hear. As miracles fade away, the audience changes as well. I want you to notice what happens. So keep your place in Matthew chapter 12. We're coming back here. But go back to Acts chapter 28. Now, some of you may have recognized verse 26 saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. You know that whole passage. That passage is quoted four times in Scripture. It's actually quoted in Matthew chapter 12. It's so fascinating. This group of people, they wanted miracles, they wanted signs, and still they were not believing. And so there's a shift. So now notice what it says. Notice the change of the audience. Verse 27, for their heart, for the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Verse 28. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto who? The Gentiles. And that they will hear it. Now I want you to notice a couple of things. There's a shift. So that's, that's verse 28. Remember, there's three people groups in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 10.32. We don't have time to turn there. It says, give none offense neither to the Jew the Gentile, nor to the church of God. Three people groups. Here in Acts chapter 28, this is Paul trying to persuade these Jewish leaders in Rome. 
Remember what the Bible says, that the gospel is the power of God to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Jesus, so Paul goes to the Jews first and they will not hear. They will not hear. So now as these miracles are ending, look at who he goes to. He goes to the Gentiles. Now notice this as well. The importance of hearing. Look at verse 24. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. Some believed and some believed not. He wasn't giving them signs and wonders. He was giving them the truth of the word of God. That was enough for some of them. It was not enough for others. But look at the shift that takes place here. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. Do you see that? The chief of the Jews. Now in verse 28. Be it known therefore unto you that salvation, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. What's the shift? It's from the Jew to the Gentile. Can Jews still be saved? Praise God for that. Yes. Do they still need to be saved? Yes. Are we against the nation of Israel? Of course not. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are for them. But what happened was the gospel went first to the Jews. They rejected it. And now God sent it to the Gentiles. And millions and millions and millions upon millions of Gentiles have received the message. That's what happened. It's a shift. Go back to Matthew chapter 12. This is pretty interesting. So Jesus Christ, speaking to these Pharisees, he's telling them that the sign is going to be Jonah. Look at verse, and Jonah, of course, went and preached in Nineveh, and God saved them. Verse 41, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, talking about that, that group of people, the Jews, that were rejecting Christ, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, greater than Jonas is here. Jesus Christ is saying, I'm greater than Jonah. The, the, the Ninevites believed Jonah's message and they repented. Here I am, the very Son of God, and you're rejecting the message. Verse 42. The Queen of the South shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And they rejected it. They rejected greater than Solomon. So what is Jesus Christ saying to the Jews right here? These Gentiles are going to rise up in judgment against you. No, let me be very clear here. This is not an anti-Semitic message. This is saying that God went to that people group and offered them their Messiah, offered them eternal salvation, and as a group, they rejected him. So the, the message shifted, and we have the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Notice the shift. Now, go back to Matthew, I'm sorry, go back to Acts chapter 28. Verse 28. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Did I, did I give you the right text? Acts chapter 28, verse 28. And that they will hear it. Notice, not see it. Not see it. See, the Bible says that the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. 
The Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Notice it says, they will hear it, they will not see it. So here's the question. Will you hear it? So we've done a little theological study. You have a shift of what happens in Acts chapter 28. You have these miracles going on, and then the Jews ultimately reject the message, and the message is shifted to the Gentiles. What's the next book in the Bible? Just turn the page and tell me if you can see it. What's the next book in the Bible? Romans. Are Romans known as Jews or Gentiles? That's the shift that takes place. See, the book of Acts is a transitional book from the Jewish Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to the church epistles, from Peter, the apostle to the Jews, to Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. They're in Jerusalem waiting, and then they end up in Antioch sending out Christians. It's a transitional book. We shift now to the church epistles. Why? Because the Jews have rejected the truth. So the question for you is, are you going to hear the message? See, another shift is coming. You're right there next to the book of Romans. Look at Romans chapter 11. I want you to see something. Verse 25. Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. So chapters 9 through 11, the apostle Paul is telling the church at Rome that God's not finished with Israel. Isn't it wonderful that we have a God of the second chance? Look at verse 25. For I would not, brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Now, remember, that's what it said in Acts chapter 28, right? Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. See, there's a point when your opportunity is over. There's a point when our opportunity is over, and it could be today. See, Jesus Christ is coming back. The Bible says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. He is coming back, and we are going to be taken out if we're saved. If you're not born again, you're going to be left here to go through the most horrible suffering on planet Earth that you could ever imagine. Jesus said, then will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world. It's going to be the worst time in the history of the world. You see, there was a clear shift that takes place at the end of Acts chapter 28. There's a shift to the Gentiles. There was a shift from the law to the prophets. There was a shift from the law and the prophets to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be a shift when the church is taken out of here and God comes to judge this earth. This is what is coming. Will you hear the message? Will you hear it? See, there are two responses to this message. Number one, if you're not born again, you must be born again. Amen? If you are born again, you need to tell somebody. They will hear it. They will hear it. So my question to you today is, are you hearing the word of God? Are you listening to the word of God? Are you being grounded in the word of God? Are you believing the word of God? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is the importance of hearing. Will you hear it? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, This is such an amazing passage of Scripture, and Lord, I hope to get back to it. There's so much more to learn from it.